Hello everyone, this is Brandy Cook reading an article for Pastor Rance Cook called My Heart to Yours 2018. Dear friends and readers, what a year we have all just experienced. One of the most hotly contested United States presidencies of all time, Israel now despised by a minimum of 128 countries who are members of the United Nations, the United States beginning to pull financial support from that august body, signs of the demise of ISIS, nuclear war once again a danger to the world, both Russia and China charging full speed ahead into a race for world domination, and the list goes on. For those of you who study biblical prophecy, all these things can trigger both excitement for the possible soon coming of our king and also undeniable nervous tension over the exact timing and what that will mean for the rapture of the church. And truthfully, no one really knows for certain, do we? But it's becoming ever increasingly difficult to look at our world without both these feelings of excitement and trepidation. My Heart to Yours 2018 is my way of saying fear not because the king has it all under control. So, I wanted to take a few minutes to share with you all my thoughts and the way this is all working out in my life, my heart. I've spoken to so many believers over the years who say, but didn't every single generation since the cross hope for the coming of Christ? And of course, the answer to that would be a resounding yes. But our generation is the only one in world history who can look backward at the monumental number of fulfilled biblical prophecies, which were accomplished on May the 14th, 1948, when against all odds, Israel once again became a nation after 2,000 years of physical non-existence. By the way, the only nation to have ever done so. This article is not about that. It's about hope for the future, a hope based in scripture, based in indelibly written promise by God himself. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 identifies Christ's coming to take his church out of this world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-12 gives us detail of the rapture and even a hint of timing. Not the time that it will occur, but certainly timing of key events as they relate to one another. Several times in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am coming soon. There are at least 10 things Jesus says about his return listed in the Gospels, and 15 more about his second coming. Why did he belabor all these promises? Because he knew that in the end times it would be difficult, even for many of his followers, to look past no hope to eternal hope. I, for one, look at eternity through vastly different eyes than many I have spoken to. You might be one of those who is as blessed as I consider myself to be, to look at world events and know that they are not real. Or, they are real here on this planet at this point in time, but they are not real when compared to gazillions of years of eternal life in a very special place called heaven, because that is what we are promised. All who have placed their faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All that we physically see before us here on this earth today is temporary. Our actual physical citizenship has been permanently transferred. Permanent citizens of heaven, merely waiting for our bodies to catch up. As a pastor for many years, I have had to comfort very many people who have lost loved ones. In fact, I have several myself. In my case, I have loved ones on both sides of the eternal ledger. Some saved and some lost. Some blessed for all eternity and some, well, no blessings there. Fact is fact, and if we believe the Bible which tells us of heaven, then we also must believe in that other place. The word no believer likes to dwell on when confronted by the passing of a loved one who is not a believer. Hell. It's that one single word, at least for me, that keeps the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, for my mind's eye. 
This may sound odd to you, but it is that very word, hell, that has kept me from ever, not one single time, consenting to minister a funeral for a non-believer. I want to give those left behind hope, and in those cases simply cannot. And I will not skirt around the issue. So I just simply do not provide that service. Nor have I ever one time ministered a wedding for non-believers. What is the sense when worldwide statistics tell us that marriages between non-believers have a slim chance of success? So I simply don't. I don't want anyone to think that I'm uncaring, so please consider my words within the context of the absolute fact that for me heaven is a very real place. Also the words of God himself, who says in Psalm 116.15, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Unfortunately, there are many within the church who have misunderstood that verse as meaning that God is somehow uncaring or mean-spirited. Sadly, it's those same folks who may have gone through desperate times and think God is punishing them for some past repented for sin. Both vastly untrue. In reverse order, God in fact says Psalm 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Think about that geographically for a moment. At no point on this planet does the east ever meet the west. The north does not meet the south, but the east never ever meets the west. And the death of the saints of God? It is obvious in the book of Genesis that God created mankind for fellowship, for himself. As much as we don't like the idea of parting with loved ones on this earth, could it be that God simply wants, needs our loved ones to be with him in paradise right now? It is very natural and good for human beings to grieve the loss of loved ones. In fact, trying to cut that grieving period short is, I have found, a very unhealthy thing to do. Grief must play itself out naturally, so we as humans can come to the point in time in which, yes, we still miss mom or dad, grandma, sister, or son, but we are comforted to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are not lost, either to us or to any other believer. They have merely changed addresses, temporarily. In fact, in the course of time, we will join them and be reunited for all time. And that is my reality. As I must help people through the grief of a loss of a loved one, with the greatest degree of compassion. In my mind and heart, it is entirely different matter. You see, for believers in Christ, I have this checklist in my mind, the one with names and the little check mark boxes next to them. And when someone, believers pass from this earth, particularly for those who have been ill or in pain, I'm thrilled to be able to put an X in the box labeled safe. Of course, that is a very private thing because we must carefully guard the feelings of folks enduring grief. But can you imagine? What it will be like to actually see the face of Jesus for the very first time? To enjoy the intense gratitude of reuniting with those who have gone before us? Can you imagine what the river of life actually looks like or the kinds of vivid colors that this earth may not even be capable of producing? The sights and sounds of millions upon millions of believers singing and playing heavenly instruments in praise of our God? And angels! Someone once said, you know you're in trouble when your angel is in therapy. Kiddingly, of course. But really, I will enjoy talking to those guys, knowing what they had to do to keep me out of trouble. I read an article a few years back about Albert Einstein, a famous, absolutely brilliant man. The author, also a scientist, claimed that even someone mentally swift as Mr. Einstein was only able to use a very small portion of the mental abilities created by God in the human brain. Can you imagine what it will be like in heaven when we are unencumbered by hecticity? When we are no longer burdened by worry, anxiety, pain, stress, lust, jealousy, hatreds, and envies, 
age, to name only a few human emotions on this earth. No more thought of hairstyle, latest fashion, diet, or the dreaded three-letter word, the gym. When we are finally able to use 100% of the brain power we were endowed with. Now, please don't misunderstand my intent. While still on this earth, I fully intend to enjoy what I have here. I love to spend time with my family and friends, good food, riding my quad, my home, and have no desire for it to end anytime soon. But on the other hand, I'm also ready when the Lord decides to punch my particular button. Also, as you know, I sincerely love to write biblically-based articles that have the opportunity to touch people's lives. But even more than that is my intense desire to know and understand what the Word of God has to say about my future, my long-term future. For me, probably a lot older than many of you reading this, it is almost like I am attached to heaven by a very long rubber band, one that is being stretched tighter and tighter with each passing day. And I know for certain that that day will come when that rubber band is stretched to its maximum and either through my natural passing or the rapture of the church, I will, in the twinkling of an eye, suddenly shoot skyward past whatever now stands between myself and my Lord. That could be seconds for now, or it could be years. But in any case, I am content to know that he knows. As we travel through this uncertain time in world history together, my hope is that you too have a perspective that centers on your eternal life, that no matter what the news channels may have to say, you are able to keep your mind stayed on him who has given you and me the gift of eternal life as a free gift of grace. From my heart and my household to yours, have a happy new year in Christ Jesus and remember his words ending the great commission, Matthew 28 chapters 18 and 20. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. God bless you all. Pastor Rex. Right